God, it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by hosts of I Spit on Your Podcast and Horror Spinsters, Jessica and Kelly. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah, Happy to be so much here. Super <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Um, so tell us a little bit about yourselves, because I know that you have your podcast and your website as well. And so what else do you both do in horror? In horror? Well, I don't know. What do we do? Sometimes <laughs> write. I sometimes write things um, when I get the itching for it and the inspiration. Um, one of my favorite publications is Grub Magazine, which is situated here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, and yeah, it's one of my favorite publications. There's, it's a really like all in, and it's a very inclusive, like LGBTQ friendly, pretty much women led women run, uh, publication here in Toronto. And yeah, it's a really great actual print magazine too, which is becoming more and more rare. And yeah, I've been in there a good number of times. Nice. I think I've picked up the PDF version a couple of times because I really enjoyed the topics that are discussed throughout the, the different editions. It's really, it's really good to read. Yeah, they they uh, Valeska, the the creator, founder, and editor in chief there, always chooses some really great themes, really great ideas. Jess has also been in there a few times. She's the the more inspired writer out of this <laughs> duo. So I just kind of do it for funsies whenever I get that like spark of inspiration. We're like, oh, that might be interesting to talk about if I have anything to say, which is not that often. So it's <laughs> when I do, it's out there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we have the our podcast, I Spend on Your Podcast, which is talking horror about various mediums. We just finished an episode talking about Max Brooks's book, De-Evolution. And we, like Kelly said, we'd like to write for various different publications. We have our own blog post where we do a bunch of writing, like Kelly said, whenever we feel inspired on various topics. Um, and uh, yeah, just writing all over the place and Kelly is always busy in the extreme horror world. Um, she's always making her voice known out there and uh, myself, I'm exploring more of the weird side of cinema this year and obviously anything to do with witches and witchcraft and representation <laughs> in horror. Fantastic. Yeah. Speaking of Max Brooks book, uh, I ordered it. It's on its way to my house and I can't wait for it to get here. I'm Ooh, so excellent. excited. Yeah. Excellent. Really with, the, with the conversation you were having once I jumped on, I feel like you'll really like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it hits on a lot of different themes and subjects. And we just chose like a handful of things that didn't like even talked about things even briefly. Like there's so much more that you can even pull out of that book to talk about. Um, so I think you'll really like it. It's a uh, pretty horrific really compelling from like beginning to end it's it's really really great so yeah the episode will be out at the end of the month and we hope that folks Amazing. like it it's our second foray into what we call the spinsters book club so once a year we do dive into a horror novel and it's been great i actually almost want to do it a, like maybe like one more time a year because <laughs> oh. it kind of forces me to sit down with a novel and actually read it and talk about it which we focus so much on movies right so it's it's nice to sometimes go over to literature because I know Jess started her horror journey in literature and when I was a teenager and like growing up I read tons of horror novels 
would I call it literature? No. Would it be paperbacks <laughs> from hell? Absolutely. But, you know, I read a lot of horror when I was growing up and way less as an adult. So, yeah, which I, I did the same. Which I feel like is like a really kind of awesome segue into what we're going to be talking about tonight. Yeah. Just because like the yep. series that we're talking about tonight is like the series that I gobbled up and yep. like was obsessed with growing up. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You, Me too. You both uh, suggested to, to for Fear Street 1994. And funny thing is Fear Street just wasn't a big thing here as opposed mm. to like what Goosebumps was. Okay. And so I never really saw the books out and about. We didn't even really have Christopher Pike books here in oh, Australia. And so like, yeah, it kind of, they kind of just kept goosebumps for that, you know, eight to 12 year olds. And then that was it. And then I'd go from right. that to Stephen King because there oh, was like, no oh, wow. in between. <laughs> There's no okay. young adult section. <laughs> oh, oh, there, wow. is now. there is now. Yeah. <laughs> but before, no way. Absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, my my horror journey was like bred in the young adult section. Thank you, R.L. Stein for Goosebumps, and thank you, R.L. Stein for Fear Street, and then yeah, Christopher Pike, and then eventually I went into Stephen King and the bigger items. But yeah, that's where it really started for me. When reading about cheerleaders coming evil and possessed and killing each other. See, I would have loved that, but no, yeah. they were like, you can read Pet Cemetery now. Oh, I'm trying to read that right now, and it's heavy <laughs> just knowing where it's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been reading Doctor Sleep for about two years now. Um, oh wow! It's just it got further, like because I've seen the movies, so my brain's like, mm. oh, don't worry about it. You can come back to that whenever. Yeah. And so, like, more and more books have just been added to my TV, like TBR pile, and I was like, well, too bad. You're right. <laughs> But I did pick up later and Billy Summers, which uh, I think are kind of more in the supernatural, like crime, like the okay. same as what The Outsider was. So okay. I'm looking forward to that. Nice. All right. Yeah. So. yeah well, definitely, once you read Evolution, you have to let us know what you think. Yes, oh, definitely. yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was saying to just because I'm reading yeah, Tender as a Flesh and it's like, oh, boy. Yeah, which it's I'm like, Kelly's bringing Oh, and I want to read that. And when you just told me about it, I'm like, I'm gonna have to tell Kelly. I'm like, if you're interested in the second Spencer's book club, we may have a book. Yes. <laughs> well, something to chat about, definitely at our next yeah. meeting. <laughs> the, uh, the author is Argentinian, from what I remember, I believe. Or yep. I'm not 100, percent but it was definitely um, translated into English, and the translation is just beautifully done. Because sometimes, you know, it gets like a little bit muddled yeah. and it sounds a little mm -hmm. bit like, oh, not too sure if that's what the context is. This, like, I'm sure if I could read another language <laughs> and then like read it in English, then yeah, it would be a good experience. It's just really, really, really well done. And the characters are great. Um, obviously, very morality is very gray in this, but <laughs> we like that. <laughs> Who doesn't? I have so many books. Uh, I just started a book TikTok because I used to be a bookstagrammer with like 10,000 followers and stuff. And then I just was like, oh. I'm out. I'm not doing oh, wow. this. Um, it's too stressful. Yeah. And uh, now I'm just going back for fun, like doing book TikToks and stuff like that. And I found so many great novellas and like indie horror. So I'm hoping oh, cool. that I'll be able to like get through a lot more because it's shorter and mm -hmm. I just read Crossroads yeah. by, um, oh my gosh, I'm having a blank. Um, I'll come back to that. But it, it was a really good novella. I, sat, I read it in like two sittings in one day. So that oh, was okay. good. Yeah, That's it's good. about a, a, a mum who loses her son and then um, she goes and visits his grave one night and 
like she cu- like cuts herself by accident and her blood lands on the, the, the oh, grave yes. and okay. then yeah classic then she all, all of a sudden starts to see him again and like yeah it's I'm, I'm not going to say anymore because otherwise it'll ruin it shenanigans shenanigans she starts yeah. Yeah. Um, giving up a lot and yeah it's uh the end had me absolutely like are you fucking kidding me oh wow okay oh, nice nice <laughs> Nice. Really? Because you like you hope for a happy ending, and this was not a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> I think Excellent. I'm giving up on the happy endings with horror books. I, I'm just like, it's yeah, just yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna come to terms with that because I was reading so much dystopian and sci-fi, like why, oh. like YA stuff for a really long time, and I've only just really gotten back into reading horror. So that was that was interesting because yeah. dystopian like thrillers and whatever happy endings, happy endings. <laughs> YA, happy endings. Yes, exactly. <laughs> then you become an adult and read adult adult subject matter and it's you're like, yep, no, no this is all fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then you know <laughs> sitting with yourself. Grim realities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of adulthood. Uh. So a little bit about Fear Street. Um, it's also known as Fear Street Part One, uh, a part of the the trilogy by Lee. Is it Janiac? Uh, I'd say Janik. Janik? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, screenplay by Lee Janik and Phil. Oh. Gra- Grazia Day? Grazia Day? Excuse me, everybody, but I can't pronounce that. Um, it's based on the Fear Street trilogy of the same name by R.L. Stein, and it is the first installment in the trilogy on Netflix. It follows a group of teenagers that discover the terrifying events that have haunted their town for generations uh, may all be connected. And that they may they may be the next targets. Uh, the trilogy follows the nightmare through Shady Side's sinister history. So <clears throat> I love this whole setup of Shady Side versus Sunny Sunnyvale. <laughs> it's a very yeah. interesting. It's such a it's it's interesting to see R.L. Stein approach like classism through like yes. these like kids books because it's like wow I didn't expect it to like when I'm watching this I was like oh my gosh kids would have read this and been like. Mm-hmm what does this all mean and I don't know it's just like an interesting kind of piece of education for kids it is a very classism is a very prominent theme in R.L. Stein's novels like like I said like I read so much of them growing up and you know understanding what it's like to live in poverty and to kind of move into a more middle class thing and and the Fear Street uh novels as well as the series really display that really well that difference between classes within the city themselves like you have the uh, children, teenagers who come from lower caste income, their families are divorced, like they're, you know, they're not part of the popular kids. And it's the popular kids who are rich, who kind of really out of touch with what the realities were happening around them, but they're really hard on each other. And often conflict arises from that because of the differences in their situations and that they really can't change things or they try to change things, but usually take a very um, murderous route, I guess you would say. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> lots, lots of murder. A lot of kid and chi- uh, teenager murder in the books. Yeah, like yes. everyone gets killed in in the books. So I really thought that the whole trilogy. But I know we're focusing on 1994, my favorite. Um, that yeah, they weren't afraid to kill off beloved characters, and uh, yeah. that may shock people, but that's what happened in the books. Yes. Like. Mm. You didn't know who was going to make it to the bitter end of these, yeah, these these short novels of of yeah, kid murder. So it was great. 
it, it was like there was always that supernatural element to it like somehow they yeah. played with the occult in some way but it was always connected back to the street fear street it was always connected back yeah. to the fears and the fact that there's this whole curse on the town of shady side and like mm-hmm. it, like i said being a big Fear Street fan that I was, I read those books and I read the ones that go into the deep history about Fear Street. So I remember when this first came out, I was like super excited to yeah. see where they were going to go with the story. And when they told, when they mentioned like Sarah Fear, I was like, what? Yeah. That's yeah, one of like too. the biggest stories about her origin yeah. and is involved with like the evil cheerleaders, but then more of her family. And uh, I think it's interesting the directions the films took Sarah Fear's mm-hmm. legend, but I really like how this first film, this one from 1994, really captures the essence of Fear Street. I, for me, yeah, like I yeah. feel like it's like the strongest yeah. one because it's capturing that 90s vibe, which is what you know, both Kelly and yeah. I grew up in, or you know, all of us grew up in this, this yeah, 90s yeah. era of young adult horror, just horror in general. Like there's points mm-hmm. in movies where we we see lots of references to horror and various horror tropes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna. I've been trying to get my hands on the trilogy so I can watch it. And when I Google it, it's like a three hundred dollar purchase. And I was like, why? Wow. Why? Just want- Those books are like I don't know, two hundred pages max. Yeah. Price so, gouging everywhere. That's too bad. Like, that's that's rude. Too bad. Yeah. I'll get that in your book. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So let's get into Fear Street 1994. So the movie opens with bookstore employee named Heather. She works at B. Dalton's and she's serving a woman who's purchasing a horror book for her stepdaughter. I love Heather's sarcastic attitude towards her about about the purchase. (laughs) It is so classic. And then you get that, like, they're clearly referencing the Fear Street books themselves. And then you get that awesome, like, 90s vibe that starts getting in there with the music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I even caught like a little bit of you know poo-pooing these like slasher books and like yeah. they would be more <laughs> yeah. into and I'm gonna bring it up but I hate it but you know that one maybe more is into like elevated horror in quotation <laughs> if I could die um so it's yeah you kind of already get that that kind of attitude towards like maybe lowbrow cinema lowbrow entertainment and mm-hmm. and all of those novels in that store just they either are actual rl stein book covers yeah. or yeah. they're not and they look like it and it's just it's, chef's kiss <laughs> i'm already in absolutely yeah. in here when you leave yeah yeah uh, when the woman leaves heather actually sticks her finger up at her back and i thought i've done I've done that. Before. Oh, yeah. we, we have all. <laughs> I was if you've worked girl, in retail, yes. we have all done this. <laughs> um, Heather gets a phone call on the shop phone, and it's Ryan, who is her boyfriend, and um, she's asking. Well, he was asking why is she still working there because you know she's got to close up. The phone disconnects, so Heather ventures out to see him, uh, so that they can. I think they're probably going home together, or he's giving mm. her a lift home. Um, she runs into him with his uh, blow-up doll. <laughs> Such a teenage boy thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Especially <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> definitely gave her a name as well. I can't remember what, though. Um, and he tells her that he'll be done in 15 minutes. So she goes back into the bookstore and pulling the metal doors down, closing up, um, cleaning, whatnot, and she's stacking away some books when she's startled by a figure in the bookstore. 
Uh, I love that she is so fearless and decides that she's going to go look. That was me. No, 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 no. No, I'm locking myself in the storeroom. I'll be doing no, my next yeah. shift the next day in the same clothes. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt like she's she's a very much a fear street teenager. That's the vibe I got from her. And I'm actually kind of sad she dies, but, you know, everyone does. Yeah. So, yeah, everybody dies. <laughs> Um, so she is obviously looking around for it, says to him, oh, well, them, we don't know who it is. <laughs> okay, very funny asshole, I'm spooked, you win. And I love the word spooked, like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. just such a great word to use in that context. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she turns around to continue looking and is attacked by someone in a skeleton costume and mask. She manages to just slide under the metal doors to the shop and is screaming through them all looking for Ryan. She goes into the costume store, which I'm assuming that's where Ryan works, because that's where he would have gotten... Yeah, I think it's like... um, The store reminds me of one of those, like, kitschy stores that would have, like, costumes and T-shirts and other, like, glowy paraphernalia, like... um, we had them all bongs in... and body jewelry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally had like, those in our town growing up. Yes. Yeah, like those like really like weird alternative stores that you went into that had all the cool stuff. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to be like some kind of weird kind of costume or face yeah, mask. Yeah, 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 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes into the store to try and contact the police, but leaves the phone off the hook um, because she is trying to hide from the attacker. And I love this scene where she's like hiding from him and the attacker comes up behind her because she's just like, because she was crouched down behind like something and then he grabs her and stabs Mm -hmm. her in her stomach. And I was just like, that was like such a great opening, uh, like attack on Heather, like for the whole film. Well, it definitely adds that moment of... Cause she's gonna she's like she's gonna run from this point like at this point she stabs and she runs from the killer which kind of re- reminds us playing back to like scream the very opening scene of scream with drew barrymore's character she you know gets stabbed and she's trying to run but then eventually she will get caught by her killer and killed mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah no just number one or number two homage to old horror older yeah. horror anyways yeah. old horror old like, slasher horror I mean. <laughs> <laughs> like that tiktok that video that's old. on there talking about old people born in the 90s and i was like <laughs> i was born in the 80s uh, what am i <laughs> yeah i just meant previous right. i just meant previous oh god yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i feel bad for myself saying that anyway yeah. oh goodness oh. <laughs> Heather manages to distract the attacker with the blow-up doll in a change room and hits him over the head with a lava lamp, which I thought was really cool, uh, before making a run across the mall. We see the attacker catch up to her, stab her brutally in the back and drag her along the ground before getting on top of her and stabbing her in the chest. The mask comes off the attacker and we see that it is Ryan, Heather's boyfriend. Uh, The police have arrived at the mall shooting Ryan in the head, but not in time to save Heather. So I thought that was a really cool cold open for that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Yep. Yep. It just sets yep. the tone for the rest of it, right? Who? Oh, so no one is safe. Yeah. 
and then it leads us into like that awesome trailer like of yeah. the credits of yeah. like literally giving us the history of yeah. Shadyside and Sunnyvale yeah. so like Her, I remember the yeah. first time we watched it I didn't pay attention to it but now I've seen like four times since and so I'm like yeah. now I'm like oh this is really it tells you the whole story right in the beginning <laughs> yes there's our context there's everything we need to know in the opening credits yeah yeah, yeah. I like that one too because then we also hear uh, the news that is on in Dina and Josh's living room uh, talking about how Shady Side is the murder capital of the United States and that the neighbouring town of Sunnyvale is the, you know, um, safest, safest and, you know, the richest and safest city in the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then they, um, they say things in this overdub about, like, uh, Sunnyvale being most voted most safe city versus the, the people of Shadyside, you know, the town is hunkering down again in darkness because Heather's just been murdered. Um, also, soundtrack for this entire film is mm. just incredible. Oh, yeah. The first three minutes. <laughs> yeah. It is a time capsule. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot, every, so many people online had so many opinions about these movies overall, but definitely about the quote needle drops that are yeah. in this. And like, these movies were all being released sequentially um, on Netflix during the middle of a pandemic. And I'm not going to be nitpicking what wonderful nostalgia horror teen horrors coming out and so yeah sure maybe it was a bit much they're just throwing in a lot as many songs as they could but i didn't care i had a wonderful time i yeah. loved hearing all this familiar music for a, t a decade that's super familiar to me and a franchise that's super familiar to me but i was living for the soundtrack for sure oh, yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, so the first song um, is Only Happy When It Rains. I'm not too sure who sings this. I should have written it down. It's uh, garbage. garbage. <laughs> Technically, the first song of the movie is Closer by Nine Inch Nails, yeah, which is yeah, a, definitely cool. a choice. That was a yeah. choice. But like, <laughs> an odd I choice. I love that song. But I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah, it fit yeah. perfectly? No. Does it that matter? Yeah. Absolutely no. not. No. <laughs> Give it, it to me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and then to follow up with garbage, and then I was like, yeah. "Yes, yep, this is great." I recently, <laughs> uh, my niece got into my car, and she puts she gets Spotify out, and she put on "Hollaback Girl" by Gwen Stefani. <laughs> nice, oh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, "What?" And I was just like, "You should be listening to No Doubt. Not you can listen to this. This is a great album, but you also need to listen to No Doubt self titled album." <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's because that is yes. great. I was like, "Your mum really likes that song, like that album." By the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we meet Dina, who's sitting in her room writing a letter on a notepad. Um, I love that it scans to it, and we see that she's written, Dear Sam, I hate you. And yep. then scribbled that out and has written, Dear Sam, go fuck yourself. Love Dina. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 Um Absolutely. We also see the TV, uh, the television's playing the news, and they're interviewing the sheriff, Nick Good, who tells the story of the latest murder that has happened in Shadyside, and that he's on their side, and he's going to help them do whatever he can to find this killer. Um, Fear of the Dark plays, which is also just such a fucking cool song. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yep. Dina is calling out to her brother, Josh, who is on his computer talking in like a chat forum. I can't remember. 
because it wasn't AOL and it wasn't um, like like is it AIM that was? I think the, it the, like Amazon Instant Messenger. That's what it was. It didn't look familiar to me, but it just mm. you know it, looked it like was an early it was internet just, chat room. Yeah, it <laughs> was a nineties <laughs> chat room. It was classic, you know, being in there, having your personas and acting mm-hmm. out your personas, but just mm-hmm. connecting and the start of conspiracy rooms. I part I remember oh. watching that again and being like, oh wait, this is the start of Reddit. Okay, cool. Like, oh, okay, yeah. All these conspiracy <laughs> things start coming out. And because like the 90s, which makes sense, right? To show this new technology because that would have been a big thing in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a chat talking about the murders and how they're all so similar. So we've got the Milkman, the Kent Nightwing killer, Ruby Lane, um, and... Josh and the person that he's speaking to believe that it's the witch that has come back for revenge, possessing another shady cider, which I found really, really interesting that he was so involved in that like true crime aspect. Cause like, I'm definitely all about that. That'd be me. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be like the Josh. rise? Yeah. Josh is yeah. adorable. Would it want to like, it'd be like the rise of true crime in like the nineties. Like we're getting like yeah. the, like the media flashes about different serial killers and stuff like that. And I think that's like yeah. a big thing that we see in like the newspaper clippings is like shady side murder capital, like the time of an era when you're posting and publishing all kinds of things about murders and serial killers and the focus, the people become obsessed with it and focused in, they want to discuss it and have their conspiracies and their theories around it. Yeah. That was like the nineties was a massive boom for the media showcasing serial killers a lot were um caught in the 90s and that was just like a massive time oh yeah yeah media went you know we also had the oj simpson trial was the 90s that was i think the first publicized trial so there was a lot and then once the internet came in everybody could actually talk to other ever other people right couldn't just talk it's not just one person on the phone to your best friend or talking about it at school you could share this stuff throughout the entire world so that's you know the networking the building connections between fans of different things yeah it's kind of awesome in a way but the thing is it didn't take off here just because we didn't have the same access to internet and Mm -hmm. and computer technology we were a couple of years behind uh, but obviously that's gotten better since, you know, planes don't take six million years to get here. And Dina comes in and says, do you, uh, and unplugs his keyboard. And Josh is like, and she's saying, do you know how expensive AOL is? And he's like, don't worry, I'm taking the neighbor's internet. So he's like fully wired it up. So he's not even using home internet anymore. <laughs> yep. And Dina says, do you think this internet thing is the reason that you have no friends? You know, we're still talking about that in 2022. (laughs) (laughs) Are we all still, are we all too busy on social media? And that's why we don't have friends or connections with real life people. Maybe. (laughs) I like it that way. But in the 90s, especially among teenagers, right, you wouldn't have spent so much time on the computer. And if you did, people would make fun of you all the time. You're like, you're such a loner, such a loser, always just sitting there on the chat room being a nerd. But then, because back then, everyone was on sports and cheerleading and band camp. And and we're going to see this as the the film goes on, like the typical stereotypes for teenagers or their roles within high school. Mm -hmm. Hello. Uh, LOL, all of those teenagers are going to get into the internet sooner or later. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you can have play, make fun of us now, but yeah. you have to wait. 
um, so Josh is trying to explain to Dina that he thinks it is the witch that's done this and she obviously dismisses him and he's like okay whatever uh, gonna get to school um, damn I wish I was your lover plays before going into sour times which I mm-hmm. think is just such ah. Oh, like I forgot how much I like that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We also got machine. There was like didn't three we? songs in yeah. one minute. Oh it was yeah, like, when they came into the school, it was something when they else. Came, when they came yeah. into the school, there was Machine Head that was playing. Yeah. Bush was playing, and then yeah, we get yep. on to the, to the song. So yeah, like literally, and I, I liked it because they synced up with each one of the different characters, yeah. and you can see kind of yeah. like where they're at in their mindset. So which all makes <laughs> sense. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Dina is in the bathroom and we meet her friend well they are in the bathroom Kate and Simon Uh, they're convinced that Heather was killed uh, by her boyfriend who was possessed by the witch Kate and Simon are fantastic characters oh my god (laughs) we love them I I, overall folks who know me know that I love teen horror movies I love also teen drama but particularly teen horror so you know, this movie hits on a lot of things for me. 90s horror, retro horror, teen horror, uh, kids or teenagers banding together to fight evil <laughs> is a, yeah. my favorite trope of like all time. And I love every single one of these teenagers. They did a really great job of like fleshing them out, not making them like caricatures of mm-hmm. teenagers. They were just... Yeah different diverse enough that you could tell them apart they have all had their own personalities and quirks and interests and i love them so much which yeah. makes it so devastating when yeah. a whole bunch of them die yeah, yeah. absolutely yep. yeah i love that um simon gets out a massive box that is <laughs> Kate and simon's uh drug dealing stash yeah and i love that they kind of made them just really personable in the way that Kate is saving because she wants to get out of there. She's uh, valedictorian. Um, She's on the cheerleading team. Like, and she's just really down to earth compared to like a lot of, like you said, that stereotypical teenage characters that are given to horror film, like uh, characters where they're just like very exaggerated. Like, and we got a lot of that over here growing up and I was like, is it really like that over there? Is it Mm. really that like, odd like these people are weird (laughs) (laughs) they're not stereotypes these kids have like the elements but they're not like basic plain one-dimensional archetypes that you see in horror and again i love that but also again that's very fear street we would have all these different characters yep she's valedictorian she's super smart oh she's also dealing drugs on the side yep (laughs) Yep. And the reason why is because of the poverty, because of the situation yep. that they're all in in Shadyside. They all yep. want better for themselves. They all want to get out. So they have to do what they need to do to get out. But yeah, exactly. Yep. What Kelly said mm. she's Val Victorian and she's like the smartest girl in school. But if she's going to find her way out, she's going to deal drugs to do it. And yeah. Yeah. Yep. Where I grew up, that was pretty common as well. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if anyone ever got out. I mean, I did. I don't know about like the other teenagers my age, to be honest. Yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, Dina says, I thought you stopped dealing that shit when Simon's brother overdosed. And yeah, Simon's Horton. like, wasn't a real overdose. We brought him <laughs> back. <laughs> Love, but it's like, Simon is just his delivery for like everything. Yeah. Everyone really, but like Simon is just. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. He's so great. He's good delivery, but 
an important moment in the movie to be like, remember this scene. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Dina tries to palm off a box of trinkets that she has to give Sam about their relationship and Kate says absolutely not you need to take it I'm I'm not getting involved in this uh, what a good friend like yeah. honestly yeah. that is such a mature decision to be like I don't know, this is your problem I yeah. love you but you need to do this setting a boundary being like no, yeah. <laughs> not getting yeah. involved yeah. again that? these teenagers may at times act like their age which is totally fair because you're teenagers but they're actually quite mature you know and again i feel like that's just also very fear street and i think that was very intentional on lee janik's part and sorry the other the other person that uh that wrote it um so again made them relatable not just they weren't just going to be fodder for the kill it was gonna hurt it was gonna hurt and that's you know they made that intentionally yeah so Dina ends up going along to the game because she's in the school marching band, I'm assuming. She is, yeah. yep. And uh, I love how one guy's like, didn't you quit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. This movie is hilarious. Yeah. 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 That's the yeah. classic thing some teenager or someone in the band would have said to her. And she's just like, and she just rolls her eyes like, oh, I'm just so annoyed. I just want to get out of here. Shut so, up. Put on my Walkman. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So she's listening yep. to Creep by... Yep. <laughs> Radiohead, yep. <laughs> Which I think I'd listen to that song when I was way too young. So my aunt was very like industrial, like alternate music. Yeah. And Creek was like one of the songs when I was like eight years old that I'd get in the car and like play it full ball. And now I'm just like, hmm, I actually get the meaning of the song now. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a Radiohead fan, but I was just, I mean, they're quintessential 90s so of course you're gonna have it in there so i so much of watching these movies and once particularly this one it was which song are they going to play next yes yeah (laughs) Yeah. that is true but a key angsty song for a teenager going through a breakup yeah (laughs) yep yep perfect As the bus travels from Shadyside to Sunnyvale, we see the very, you know, stark contrast between the two towns. Housing roads and businesses change dramatically as the bus is travelling into Sunnyvale. So we go from seeing, like, you know, smaller, low-income earning houses, one story quite, you know, densely populated because they all have to be close together, to the uh, mansions of Sunnyvale that just look obnoxious. (laughs) Yep. Oh, little mini white houses. That's what it looks like to me. Yep. All the, you know, the Jane and John, Joe Smith, sorry. Jane and Joe Smith all dressed up in their houses, all dressed pretty in their Mercedes. Like, yeah, Sunnyvale is the rich side of this little area that they're all living in. This where the wealthy upper class exist. Yeah. They are standing in the crowd because they're organizing, um, they're doing a vigil for, for Heather. And Dina is looking for Sam and eventually spots Sam, who is in the cheerleading team and appears to have a boyfriend at this point. (laughs) So Dina is obviously devastated and um, goes and sits like behind the bleachers, avoiding having to see or speak to Sam. Uh, Sam does find her saying and says to her, you know, I didn't think you were coming. So uh, Dina's like, yeah, whatever, because she's not taking this breakup very well. And Dina kicks a shoebox over to Sam and Sam opens it, seeing that it was a lot of stuff 
that they had shared in their relationship, mixtapes and notes and things like that. And they argue over who broke up with who and Dean is frustrated that Sam moved to Sunnyvale and abandoned her. But what we do find out is that Sam's parents have divorced and she's moved with her mum to Sunnyvale. So it's like a bit of a dick move on Dina's part. Like she's a typical teenager. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a complicated thing because like what's really interesting is that throughout this film we're seeing references of Sam and not once is Sam's gender ever revealed. So of course yeah. the, the viewer is assuming male or hetero mm. um, perspective. So, and then when it's revealed that Sam is is uh, is the girl, that it's awesome because it's like a queer narrative that gets to be in a horror movie that is super important and also really relatable, especially for young queers in that in the nineties where like you had to kind of hide your affection or feelings for each other. And it's more of this, she's frustrated that Sam left. And even though like Sam's like, Oh, it's only a half hour away, like to a teenager, that's a million miles and your relationship's (laughs) going to fall apart and all that. But there's also this idea that it doesn't get addressed now, but it will get talked about later that Sam is hiding who she is because she's coming to terms with her own sexuality and her identity. And you, you could tell various hints throughout the movie that Sam's parents have bombed out and are not happy. So they're trying to keep the yeah. two of them apart. So it's this bigger story about accepting this identity, accepting herself and the identity and their relationship. But it's framed in this like, well, you moved away and you decided to get away from uh, shady side because it's a shitty place and it is a shitty place, but you left me here as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dina's very fresh. And it's, and it's interesting because it's, Dina doesn't seem to be hiding herself away as much as what Sam is. So she doesn't get why Sam is doing mm-hmm. all these things. And it's kind of like, well, you, you, yeah, like you said, you left, not you're struggling to understand who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's too much for a teenager to understand anyway. <laughs> oh, especially when coming to terms with your sexuality, especially yeah. in the nineties, you know, when we're still writing off like the events of the AIDS crisis and people are still trying to find their way of coming out and feeling safe and in a safe way and comfortable and a really important, like, and like I said, I mentioned this as a queer narrative for young um, queers. As I know for myself as someone who uh, came out in my teen years that a movie like this would have been super important and super nice to see because it's almost a similar, almost realistic depiction of what it's like to kind of try and hide your identity from the world around you because you don't, you're you're still trying to figure yourself out and you're only like 16 yeah and i have to say from what i remember from the fear street novels there were either none or exactly very yep. very few queer characters there were so none. this is a massive i guess modern take on on those and i don't even want to say modern i mean queer people have been around for for a very long time it was just really nice to see it as an addition into this and done i think in a really really wonderful wonderful way and like authentic and i love that it was teenagers because again we don't often get too many of those stories and having it done really well in this series and thankfully like they are it's a re- they're reoccurring characters they don't get killed off you know what i mean cuz again that would be an easy thing for for people to do and they still kill gay characters off quite easily and quickly in in horror movies so again a very refreshing delightful thing and very sweet and wholesome thing to yeah. see in this movie yeah because well in australia homosexuality was illegal until like the mid 80s 
so I could totally wow. understand how uh, this film would have been life-changing for people during the 90s, you know, where we're coming out of the period where you'd literally go to prison for being gay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this is like a mainstream movie. I mean, Jess, you literally just posted a whole bunch of your really important films that you grew up with. And Mm. some of those were like very indie films, like straight to video or home video. And this is a big mainstream movie. So this would have been so incredible for teens to see on the big big screen with their friends and and just see, see that kind of representation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd love to show my niece as she comes, you know, into teenage years to because yeah. she um she she identifies as queer. She's eight years old and um mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I'm 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 in the LGBT community, Annie Cat, and I was like, So am I and she was like, Really? Are you really? And I was like, <laughs> Yeah, like I don't just say it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> well also yeah. that I do because it's fun. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah, but you'll always be safe with me. Like, and, and I think that that's really important because, you know, eight, even at eight years old, she's pretty sure about who she is. And that's, that's and it's amazing. having an environment yeah. where she can express that. Whereas, yeah. you know, like if it was 20 years ago, no way in hell. Yeah, exactly. No way in hell. Yeah. Um, so Sunnyvale is hosting their, vigil, their candlelight vigil on the field for Heather while Sheriff Nick Good gives them a speech about what happens you know, to those in Shady Side and how it's, you know, quite unfortunate. Peter, Sam's boyfriend, starts a fight with the Shady Siders by saying things like, um, they should light Sunny sh- Sunny sh- Shady Side on fire and let it all burn down. The two schools end up in a massive brawl and everybody ends up leaving uh, quite quite angry and rightfully so. Like how can it's so strange it's so hard for me to fathom that teenagers would be so like behaving like elitists at that age. But then you, you learn what you do from your parents. And it was just an interesting um, like depiction of what kids learn from their parents. Mm-hmm. And also very real, I don't want to say like realistic, but like that was a very popular trope in the 70s, 80s, 90s, like horror films. Like you had the very different classes being really like, malicious and vicious to each other and yeah. you know threatening bodily yeah. harm on the other person and getting you know in fist fights and stuff like that and that's kind of that's part of american um television and mm-hmm. seen in a lot of these horror films so that plays into that trope again of like you know we're setting up our antagonist peter and his group of shady uh, sunny veilers are the antagonists and they're going to be harassing our shady siders group because they are the elite they were like, we are the Sunnyvale devils and we are going to go after and burn these uh, shady side witches because mm-hmm. that's what you do. <laughs> that's what you do. And that's what mm-hmm. they do. Yep. 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 Yeah. So Kate is on the bus hyping up the shady siders, telling them that they're going to go kill the Sunnyvale like devils and i was like oh yes. and everyone's like <laughs> yes everyone's kate like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah and they're riled up <laughs> yeah <laughs> dean is asleep on one of the seats and uh when she wakes up and because she's like hanging over the seat notices that there's a car honking and speeding towards the bus she recognizes peter from sunnyvale and they also have sam in the car with them because everybody's like is that sam um mm-hmm. they open the back door of the bus and dina and kate are going to throw out like the water cooler out of the back of the bus like i think their plan was to throw the ice onto the car kate yes, yeah, yeah 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 it's like it was like the big gatorade thing yeah yeah it's a it's sports just water, thing i guess yeah yeah 
sports thing. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. Kate yells at Dina because her nose has started to bleed, causing her Dina to drop the her end of the water cooler, the it tumbling out of the bus and landing on the bonnet of Peter's car, sending it out of control and crashing into the woods beside the road. Uh, we see Sam crawling out of the car, and when she touches the ground beneath her, she experiences flashes of a woman hanging, um, people dying, blood, and uh, like because it's quite like flashy there's different images of you know obviously for foreboding um visions in a way mm-hmm. when dina catches up to her sam looks at her and says did you see so she's very disorientated um simon reaches them asks sam how many f- <laughs> i love that he crouches down next to sam is like how many fingers am i holding up and she's like i'm fine blah 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 and then throws up do all over him which i was like ew mm-hmm. and it was blood i think she threw up blood on him didn't she yeah 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 another important yeah key element of the blood a lot of blood is uh yeah. spilt <laughs> in this mm-hmm. film and the se- in all the sequences film so you know the importance mm-hmm. of blood mm-hmm. very important yeah. um the police are in uh the police are interviewing dina about what has happened and peter uh, wanders over to them and tells the police officers he's going to take care of them and make sure they get home and then he also threatens to kill all of the shady siders which is just a little bit intense mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, back at home dina has been spending a lot of her time in bed while josh has been playing video games so i like the contrast between the two siblings that they do have very individual lives but they do come together for this think you know the evil that they're fighting against well they need to their parents are not there they are very absent i guess it's just their dad he's probably working all the time and they're part of the the lower class folks of shady side and they have no parents there's very few parents that are seen here in this movie the only adult is really the police and that's it really the sheriff good Sheriff Good, yes, and then or uh, Mrs. Lane, which who helps mm-hmm. like to babysit the young girls when uh, Dina yeah, yeah. goes over to Katie and Simon. But which I love that because I know we're not talking about the rest of the films, but these connections of all these characters mm-hmm. to Shady Side's history, right? Because we'll we'll see yeah. Mrs. Lane again. Yeah. Um. So Dina tries to call Sam, and Sam's mother gets quite angry and tells her never to call there ever again. So this is like another, like denying Dina contact with Sam is her denying Sam's identity in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Very common for nineties parents to do that to yeah. They will. And it was true. Like they would see, you know, if a, a daughter or a son were coming out queer or something like that, and they would see like, well, this person has been an influence. So you see, we need to separate you and keep you guys apart from one another. Right. Which always backfires. Like oh, yeah. you don't, you can't <laughs> separate someone from one they who they want to be with, or you can't deny someone who they want to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but that was common. A lot of divorces happen because of that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, the doorbell at their house rings multiple times and Dina goes to answer, however, no one is there. Um, upon further inspection, she sees someone outside in a skeleton costume, which she assumes to be Peter. Um, and then when she goes back inside, she's telling her brother and then she yells out the kitchen window at Peter to go away. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. I was like, why? 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 <laughs> 
Well, I just love Dina overall. <laughs> yeah. like she, yeah, is, she is is incredible character, incredible yeah. actor. I love her aesthetic. I love her style. Her denim and co- combat boots is also yeah. very nineties. Um, and I just love her. She's so brave and she's so passionate and compassionate and like good at problem solving. She just is a friggin' fantastic character. I love her yeah. so much. So yeah, much. She's fantastic. Uh, Kate is babysitting uh, twin, like tween ages, I believe. Tweens, <laughs> I guess if we like. Um, she's asking them to bag up a bunch of pills for her. But I yep. love that she's like, don't take those. Uh, don't do that. Because yeah. that's going to be such and such. And she's like, okay, anyway, bye. <laughs> yeah. uh, Simon's also at the house helping them. Uh, Dina, who lives across the street from where they're babysitting, um, calls Kate and tells her about the person in the skeleton costume. Um, Simon has, like, no t-shirt on at this point. Because <laughs> um, he hasn't changed his clothes. He changed he's still wearing a vomit-covered yeah. t-shirt. Yeah, he's still As wearing a teenage bloody... boy would yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, bloody t-shirt because he had to go work a double shift because he's the sole provider of his family. Yeah. Yeah. Super yeah. nice guy, but he's like, yeah. Kate. Get your mind together. I took the shirt off. Now it's on. Like, what's happening? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kate and Simon go to investigate uh, the house because they hear the noises. Oh, a window smashes, actually. And they find someone in the skull mask going through some clothes in a basket. Um, Because uh, I know they, they quickly have a side conversation and when they turn around, the person has disappeared. So they decide they're going to go drop the twins off and figure out what's going on. So they go to Mrs. Lane's house and she says something about her daughter to, to Kate about when the twins are dropped off. Oh, I didn't catch that, but yeah. Yeah. But the- I should have typed, I was typing like as people were speaking as well. And I should yeah. have put yeah. that down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they all, they, they reconvene at Dina's house and they think that Peter is pranking them after, you know, what had happened with the car accident. Um, so they decide that the next course of action is to go to the hospital to see Sam and tell Peter to back off. So they recruit, (laughs) when they get there, um, the nurse at the front desk tells them that the visiting hours are over. However, Kate uses a little bit of her influence and tells them that they need nurse Betty who is actually Eddie and has written a B in front of their name. Yep. Mm-hmm. To beat Betty. So it's B-E-D-D-Y. Um, and so I'm assuming he's got something to do with Kate's drug ring that she's running. And he, oh, yeah. That's when she gets it. That's, yeah. that's, that was her source. You yeah. want to blueberries with bananas. I can't get to them anymore. They changed the keys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Betty takes Dina to see Sam, who is recovering after the car accident. And Sam defends Peter, telling Dina that he couldn't have been at the house because he's been at the hospital all night. And Peter eventually does show up. So while they are arguing, the attacker in the skeleton costume comes through the curtains and stabs Peter and tries to attack Sam and Dina. Which I thought was really, I thought that was a great, like... It's definitely not Peter. So, oh yeah, I love that scene. I re- I remember when we yeah. first watched it. I was like, oh yeah, it's good. Peter's going to be somehow involved, and then they killed yeah. him right away. I was like, awesome. We're <laughs> right into this now. <laughs> yep. And then it starts. Yep. Yeah. 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 
So the others are waiting in a hallway and are waiting for Dina to finish speaking to Sam. Uh, I love this because Josh enters like some cool codes into the vending machine mm-hmm. and like everything comes out of its shelves. And I was like, I, I'd love that to happen to me one the day. The internet, <laughs> man. You start sharing shit across right? the world. Right? The yeah. nerds can teach you things. Like we can relearn all these life hacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're probably still just using keys to get in and out of those machines over here. So <laughs> shaking them. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Over here too. Yeah. Dina and Sam burst through the doors and uh, are yelling at the others to run away as the tacker comes behind them, like running behind them. They hide behind the receptionist desk to find that the nurse there has already been murdered. Uh, when they look around the corner, they see the attacker stab Betty. Trying to run away, Sam and Dina are chased, and the attacker manages to grab Sam. In the struggle, the attacker falls to the ground, and Dina sees that it is Ryan Torres, the teenage boy who killed Heather. And she's like, how? How? No, you can't be here. You're dead. He, mm-hmm. he still has the bullet wound in his head. His skin is grey. Um, he looks very ill. Something is yeah. by far not right in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. When did you become a yeah. zombie? Sorry, yeah. people. Uh, Kate, Simon, and Sam have managed to hotwire an ambulance and they take Sam and D- uh, Dina to the police, police station to report what happened. And I love that they're chatting. And uh, I can't remember if it was Josh or Sam says to them, you know, um, hiding in plain sight. Like, let's be yes. in an ambulance because no one will suspect mm-hmm. us to be in an ambulance. <laughs> yep. Um, Sheriff Good inappropriately shows Dina and Sam the, like, corpse picture of Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, trying to prove a point. Uh, but yeah. Dina thinks that they've made a huge mistake and that they can't possibly be right. She scuffles yeah. with one of the other police officers, stealing his gun as they leave the station. So smart, always thinking, so, so resourceful. Steal that like, gun. You're like, what? 17-year-old girl, what are you doing? Yeah. But so classical, yeah. right? That these two young yeah. girls go to the police and be like, here's what's happening. Pay attention, listen to us. And they're like, yeah. we don't yeah. believe you. This is a case okay. closed. This is are you and they're like, you know, and they kind of yeah. mock them at the same time. But Dina knew this was gonna happen, right? Like yeah. Sam at least yeah. believes that they hope they would believe her, but yeah. Yeah. Dina's like, no, they're not going to believe us. Uh, why that's they? why the kids have to band together to fight yes. evil together because yes. the adults yes. either are always absent, too busy and distracted with their adult lives, and cops never believe them because they don't, yeah, very self-involved. They never believe kids. So, of course, mm-hmm. they got to get it together and fight it together. That's why I love it. <laughs> Uh, outside Simon is uh, peeing on a building and here's someone starting to sing you always hurt the ones you love when he turns around the street is completely empty like nothing very empty (laughs) sitting hunched over on the side of the street which is just incredibly creepy but also uh, really well done like how empty it does feel yeah Yeah. it's creepy yeah. Like any of us yeah, here. Very fierce like, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> we don't walk down the street. We don't go down to a person singing creepily song, an old timey yeah. song down a street. But Simon doesn't. He goes. Yeah, of course. He's a teenager. <laughs> but yeah, you don't go out and wander around downtown after dark. Like you don't do yeah. that. 
in Shadyside. And if you're a horny teenager, you're definitely going to go towards a good looking lady who's singing. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately for him, uh, when he approaches her, she pulls out a switchblade and slices his ankle. He crawls out into the middle of the street with the girl following behind him, trying to like grab his ankles and drag him. She sits on top of him trying to slice and cut him, but the others come around the corner shooting her. Um, Afterwards, Dina realizing that the bullets didn't stop her, which is, you know, pretty terrifying. She also looks very sick, sickly. She looks very dead. (laughs) (laughs) She looks like she's been dead for a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, this is the second dead body uh, standing up alive in one night. Okay. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. Something isn't quite right tonight. Yeah. Uh, back at home, they realized that the girl who was attacking Simon with a razor blade was uh, a murderer by the name of Ruby Lane. So Josh provides the story about how she had murdered her boyfriend and friends while she sung You Always Hurt the Ones You Love before taking her own life back in 1965. He then pulls down all the Shady Side Killers newspaper articles and shows them the mass murders that have happened in their town. And he says, normal people turn into psychos. And the first one ever recorded was in 1666, where a pastor had um, cut up children in his village with an axe. Cut out everybody's eyes. Cut out all the children's eyes. Yep. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that bit. Ew. (laughs) Oh, there were were other people, like other serial killers, axed a lot of people. Like, Shadyside has this (laughs) tragic history of these... brutal murders happening Mm -hmm. these serial Mm -hmm. killers coming out of the woodwork and it just seems to happen every so often every what 20 10 30 years i think the math was weird because i think at one point kelly and i tried to figure out yeah it wasn't super consistent yeah yeah (laughs) yeah but every so often random serial killers show up and start killing people shadyside has another tragedy Yep. Yeah, it's such a great scene, too, because you have Josh, who's almost like our horror movie nerd. But in this, he's our, like, true crime nerd. Yeah. But he has, yeah. like, his big display. And he's like, oh, boom, 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 grabbing all these clippings. He knows exactly. He's like, this year, this happened, this and this and this and this. And I was got to educate everybody. Josh, who's, like, I don't know, 12 years old or something. He just, <laughs> like, he knows more than all of these other teenagers. But uh they're, I feel like they're pretty they're pretty quick to like jump on board because things are not okay right now and no. you know <laughs> it only makes sense that a witch would yep. be behind the, the dead coming back to life and oh, based yeah. upon like Sam's like visions that she's having stuff like that yep. but yeah they, they get to the point of talking about Sarah Fear and I remember being so excited I was like yes, yes. we're getting into Sarah Fear and her story yeah. and the yeah. possessions that she has yep 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 because Josh does tell them about uh, Sarah Fear and that she is the one that has cursed shady siders and mm-hmm. turning them into killers uh, because she was hung, oh, hanged, sorry, is the correct word for witchcraft um, because she had um, been, uh, obviously, they thought Accused that she Accused of witchcraft. Was, yeah, witchcraft and then something about, uh, yeah, the the possessions from afterwards. So she said he says... Um, the the poem which I really really like because they repeat yes. this quite a couple of times and they say Seraphia cut off her wicked hand on Satan's stone in exchange for eternal life scarring the soil beneath with the witch's marks mark bringing darkness upon the land and so this is this talks about how this that 
yeah, Shady Side is cursed. It's Sarah Fear's fault. And obviously the other films do explore that a lot deeper as the films go, which yeah. I, I've yeah. really enjoyed that they intertwined it all throughout the whole series of films. Yeah, her yeah, hand has a grip on the land. Like, she really does. And it's a really great, like, weaving of all the stories throughout all of them. Like, the whole, I feel like you, you view Fear Street as a trilogy. Like, yeah. I know we're talking about 1994, but they really, I feel like, work best all together. It's like one big movie, just like different parts and flashbacks. But also, folks, of course the town is cursed. You put your witch hanging tree in the middle of your town, in the middle of your mall. <laughs> of course it's cursed yeah yeah you find that out later and later on in the series but yeah that makes sense yes it makes sense you obviously wanted nothing but bad luck yeah well we know i'm sure we know who designed the town oh yeah that tree in the middle of your town in your mall just saying the goods (laughs) <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah, that was always something that stuck with me. It's just like, okay, they're just reminding the people of Shady Side that, like, oh yeah, we we will hang you guys if witches and stuff like that. Just this is like yeah. a fear tactic. On yeah. Fear yeah. <laughs> that Pun intended. Pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> there's something different going on this time because they have two killers after them instead of yeah. a live yep. killer after them. And Sam tells them that she saw Sarah when she got out of the car after the accident so they head back into the woods to see the grave site so that they can confirm their suspicions that it is sarah fear they find chains in the ground connected to the skeleton the skeletal remains of sarah fear on a, and on the lock pad her name is engraved and um someone says now all her henchmen are after us and kate says oh you mean all those sickos on your wall are going to come after us now <laughs> <laughs> uh so they decide they're gonna lay her to rest properly and they're putting all her um skillet like remains back into the grave to to uh cover them back up however um sarah uh, sam's nose start to bleed as she touches one of the bones causing her to have another vision of sarah who is screaming it's you it's you so a little bit of foreboding yeah yeah uh, Josh notices someone in the woods and Kate and Simon uh, clamor to put the bones back properly. However, one of the killers has already started coming from them. It is the Camp Nightwing killer who's running uh, through the woods to the, uh, with an axe. And they manage to get back in the ambulance and get away from the killer just in time. While they are in the ambulance... Ambulance? Why did I say it that way? Ambulance. Um, <laughs> Sam realizes that the killers are coming for her and not the others. Sarah Fear wants to take her revenge on Sam. So this is where they make the connection that Ruby just, uh, Ruby wasn't attacking Simon. Uh, She was after the blood that was on Simon's shirt. Mm -hmm. Sam's blood. So um, Josh says Sam bled on her bones and now the witch wants more of her blood. And so other items, they put all the, yeah, these connections together. They realize that Dina has blood on her shoe. And so that's why the killer had like kind of turned up at her house and was like hanging out there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they all head to the school because they've got an idea, a plan of attack. And it requires uh, a lot of them being without t-shirts. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
I love this. I well, I love this part because you're getting into like Kelly said, like teenagers coming together to defeat the evil, right? Like the whole like burying the bones as like a they were mentioning like poltergeist, like that's something you would do in poltergeist, right? You know those horror yeah. references. <laughs> And then they get into, you know, like, we're going to come up with a plan. We're going to use Sam as the bait. And it's, like, very, to me, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, classic, creating traps to get your killers in. Very much like Nancy, Lurian, Freddie. But this is what the group is going to do. They're going to lure the killers in. But Mm -hmm. not before we have a super, I'm sorry, adorable scene of everyone just getting some adrenaline out before before yeah. they have to go on this uh bait this bait mission. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you mean when everybody goes to pound town? town? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it's, it's all very sweet. And Jess, I wanted yeah. to ask you because uh, so because Jess and I had the have our podcast and everything, we actually got we had access to what was called the fear pass. So for each release of um sorry for the release of each of these fear street movies we got early access to them so we yeah. had uh, i think it was like 24 hours earlier so her and i like were so so pumped for this and like each night we'd like watch them together and and things so when we watched this i remember the lesbian scene being way longer than it actually is but i remember yeah. at first just yeah. you thought it was just like a little bit too exploitative but did you feel the same way now now that i've watched this like four times and have yeah. also gone back in the last like couple months and rewatched some of my old queer films that i grew up with like but i'm a cheerleader lost and delirious all that i'm like yeah. this is very on point with those types of scenes like right. with that like it's just very sweet and tender yeah. and you know just it's i don't see it as i don't see it as exploitative as i thought i did at the first point and just yeah. be, and, then, and i think that's just because like we're not used to seeing queer um affection and intimacy on screen which is weird for me to say that no as a as a queer woman as well but it's true like it sometimes seems like you almost want to be like are they exploiting this and you want to be like ready at the bat to fight be like don't exploit but then you're like actually no this is actually really sweet and tender yeah it actually wasn't that lurid as what i remember i do remember in that just that first time just being kind of being shocked. I'm like, Oh, okay. We're going to see them make out and like a hand's Mm -hmm. going into a pants. And, but I mean, we don't, there's no nudity. There's more of just like suggestive themes and stuff like that. And yeah, it definitely didn't go as long as I had initially thought when it was happening in real time for the first time. Right. But yeah, it's definitely not lurid. I I agree. It's, it's, it's it's very tender. It's teenagers making out. We wouldn't say that if they were heterosexual. Right. So you make yeah, a really, really good point. Yeah. 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 I do. I do like that scene because Sam says some really um, like her own like identity like yep. confirmation where yeah. you know, she says things to Dana, like you make me feel like me and that I belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And it was just really nice that they had that moment like they would with a heterosexual couple mm-hmm. and they probably would have done exactly. it the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, just makes it feel more authentic than, like, at like you said, at the start, when I first watched it, I was a bit like, oh, this is going a really long time. And this is also, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know <laughs> how I feel. And I think it's just because I finally saw, like, queer representation in the same way that, like, a heterosexual teenage couple would be re- represented. Yeah, and maybe yeah, it's just yeah. that initial, like, are they re- really? What? What the fuck? Okay, mm-hmm, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, 
However, they are interrupted by noises outside of the, um, I think they're in like a science lab. Mm -hmm. And uh, while this is happening, Simon is in the bathroom wrapped in a towel. (laughs) And then we see him only in his tidy whities Kate and Josh are in a stall together because Mm -hmm. she needs Josh's help to uh, make sure she hasn't got any blood, like Sam's blood on her. And he says to her, what if tonight's it for us? And then there's like an allusion mm-hmm. to something happening between the two. Yeah, and yeah. they all meet at this like intersection outside the toilets. And Simon looks at everyone and says, did you all go to Pound Town? And then he's Me like, Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I, I love, love that so, yeah. so much. It's cheeky. It's teenagers. He masturbated. You're it's like, positive. yeah, man. Rub, yeah. rub one out if it's the end of the world. Got to do it. Yep. It might be your last chance. Yep. Absolutely. Simon's <laughs> last chance. <laughs> oh. Oh. So their plan is to pour bleach. Um, all around the school uh, well not the school, the bathroom that they're in mm-hmm. Sam in one of the bathroom stalls is waiting for them I don't know why, I think she must be in like a bathroom next to them or on the last bath stall because I got kind of confused why she's in the bathroom stall well she's like the she's bait, bait. Like they had her yeah. up there but like she's gotta like because she, I think she had to jump through a vent and, to get out of the yeah. bathroom and yeah. then the vent where the drugs are at because they, yes. they end up locking, yeah. So yeah, exactly. That's and right. they end up locking the killers in there. They set it a fire and lock it in there. And they think, yeah, we got it. Yeah, because they mop Sam's blood around the school mm-hmm. to like bait yeah. the killers into the bathroom. So they start to arrive at the school. Um, Ruby singing and dragging her knife along the walls. Um, Ryan and the camp Nightwing killers arrive shortly after, and they all walk straight past the Fear Street. Like, I'm going to call them the five, Fear Street 4 at the moment because mm-hmm. Sam's in the bathroom. <laughs> and um, they uh, burst into the bathroom stalls where there is no Sam because she has escaped in the vents. So they lock them in and set the room on fire and we hear the killers screaming. However, when um, the group goes in to put out the flames, no one is there. Josh notices that there is black goo underneath their feet that is starting to move and form back into figures and i love that um one goes to like grab him like the gooey hand i thought that was mm-hmm. so cool that was so like rl stein goosebumps for me that yeah. moment oh, mm-hmm. for sure. oh yeah. yeah 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 i really felt that i was like i feel like i'm watching goosebumps again <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh they ran out into another classroom locking themselves in barricading and uh kate says you know they're going to keep coming so she wants to put sam in the hallway give her to the killers and be done with and after some thoughts sam agrees let me go out um i want to let you live i don't want to die like i'm going to die either way so let me out so she goes into the corridor the nightwing Kent Nightwing Killer is the first to see her and as he stalks down the corridor towards her I love this like camera situation where it's like looking at her then looking at him and it's just really great because I was expecting her to be killed at this point Mm -hmm. yeah because essentially the group well yeah because the group was like 
you don't have to sacrifice yourself. But the other members are like, yeah, but she's the reason why we're being hunted down by these killers. And yeah, so she makes yeah. that ultimate sacrifice for the group. And so they want to give that intensity of that moment, especially like the Nightwing killer, who is like essentially our Jason yeah. Voorhees uh, stand-in. Yeah. So menacing. Yeah, very mm. menacing. It's the, like, that um, burlap sack for me, like how tight it looks to yeah, be done yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, so while this is all happening, Josh is piecing together, like, all this information. Like, he's so smart. And he says, you know, uh, she doesn't, she pull her back in. Like, she doesn't have to die like this. And so they pull her back in. And Josh says to them that C. Berman is the key to helping them solve their curse. So he found in an article that C. Berman had stated that she had seen the witch in a news article, which meant that Sam can be saved because she too has seen the witch. Sam realizes that C. Berman had died and had been uh, brought back to life via like uh, emergency services and CPR so and one of the key lines in that whole um, Sarah Fear poem is that she will follow you until you're dead yeah yeah exactly so that reminds us all like oh wait wait a second we know of someone who has died and people have brought someone back to life (laughs) 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 we remember we talked about the false Odine yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so Dina puts together all those pieces, realizing they need to kill Sam in order to stop the killers. And um, Sam says, fuck it, I'm dying one way or another tonight. Let's try to bring me back. Yeah, Which I was like, uh oh, what's going on? Uh, so they all go to the grocery store that Simon works at and he tells them how they were able to bring back his brother Timothy after he had ingested too many substances. <laughs> so their plan is to give Sam a concoction that will cause an overdose and the plan is to use EpiPens to bring Sam back from the dead. So... <laughs> Kelly I and I remember... Like, and these ones and then these ones and then these are your downers. So Oh yeah, yeah. Explaining the step by steps and like Katie yeah. getting in there and throwing things out. I'm just like, wow, this is overly complicated just to get yeah. yourself high. Yeah. Oh goodness. <laughs> also, I'm just like, I'm fascinated. One, yeah. just in general, just by the science of it all. And then it's these t- teenagers, they know so much. Yeah. yeah, you know this like yeah. this perfect cocktail. Of, like, do these ones to get you like really, really sleepy? This combination is going to slow your heart rate down so <laughs> low. And I'm like, wow. You know. Also, this? what drugs are those? And should yeah. those be available at the pharmacy? Like, I don't know. I feel like that's very specific. Good yeah. lord! But it was just like just a really weird, interesting, funny scene <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I take, like, uh, a fair bit of painkiller medication, but it would never do any of those things. And, like, th- that medication's the only one I know. And But, yeah. like, the whole science behind all that, he's like a chemist at this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly, right? And then oh, he's yeah. like, epinephrine, adrenaline, we'll bring her back. And yeah. Ellie and I have our, our theories about what happens later <laughs> on with, like, epinephrine. Like, dead Too now. many. <laughs> Too oh, many. Or she just drowned. <laughs> one in most circumstances. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, cinematically, it was yeah. epic and intense and fast. Yeah. And Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So they paint them... 
themselves in Sam's blood to create diversions for the killers while Sam sits and starts to ingest this cocktail of drugs um, that Kate and Simon have designed quite well. So I'm guessing they did well in science. <laughs> yeah. She was a valedictorian. She was smart enough. Yeah. Like that. Oh yeah. She knows. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Simon gives Josh a really sweet pep talk to get him hyped on doing his part of their big plan. Telling him, you know, that Kate doesn't waste her time and that he's worth it and he should see that in himself as well. It was so awesome. Yeah, he did. Well, because he had such a big crush on Kate, like the whole, throughout the entire movie. So just getting any kind of recognition from him, from her, was like really heartwarming. And yeah, when Simon's just like, she's like a crusher. She does not give anyone the time of day. So if she's giving you the time of day, she thinks you're worth it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, Dina tells Sam that when this is all over, she's taking her on a date to get cheeseburger, listen to CDs, and have the best night of their lives. And Love says, it. I'm going yeah. to bring you back. Yeah. Which is a big thing in Fear Street. They always go out for cheeseburgers and sodas. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I like that that element was in there as well, too. I'm like, that's very reminiscent of uh, Fear Street. Oh, I like that. Yeah. The kids oh. always hung out at the local like cheeseburger joint when they, we mm-hmm. get burger and fries mm-hmm. after like a scary event or something. <laughs> Yeah, that'll stop food. the PTSD. <laughs> yeah, comfort food. <laughs> yeah, it helps. <laughs> uh, Sam starts to ingest the pills and um, hugs Dina because she's obviously incredibly terrified. I would this. Yeah, this <sighs> is really like realistic of how it would have felt to do that because it's um yeah all the drugs that she's taken like uh, the camera starts to blur and we see like triple vision and sam's coming in and out of consciousness yeah. and at this point sam's, dina yeah sorry so i would say sam is also just in, like incredible character and very yeah. very brave and all of these scenes are just like incredibly well done between all of the actors and it's yeah. it's intense this movie like hits on a lot of different themes and the the actors just do such a fantastic job and you're just you just feel like you're right there with them because again mm-hmm. you have been with them this whole journey and because they're such well fleshed out well realized people and characters you're like oh my god this is happening are they going to be able to bring her back this is scary yeah. i'm scared too you know yeah. yeah and it is scary to watch that stuff because as an adult you're like mm, drugs are bad like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, drugs aren't like that cool, folks. But when you're a teenager, <laughs> um, at this point, Dina is actually having to force pills down Sam's throat because uh, her body's at the point where it won't let her swallow anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They also didn't give her any water. What is yeah, happening? That's oh, yeah, that's another She's doing it all like dry. I like Ew. all those doing pills. it dry. That's yeah. <laughs> um, Kate is. Uh, shopping in the aisles with a basket while they're waiting for the killers to arrive. That was weird. I don't know why she's doing that. <laughs> um, I feel like she was shopping for weapons, right? Because she was grabbing I acetone, the nail yeah. polish oh, remover, hairspray. Okay. Yeah. So at okay, first yeah. it looks like she's shopping. And maybe there's elements of what she's putting in there she is, but she's getting weapons. Kate does mm. everything intentionally. She is so great. So yeah. smart. Yeah. Right. Um, Simon is scoping out the back hallways behind the store, making um, uh, making sure that everything is locked. And Josh is um, at the back exit checking those doors. Uh, Ruby 
is the first to arrive of the killers. We hear her, we hear her singing, and um, we also hear the footsteps of the Nightwing camp, camp Nightwing killer getting closer to the store. So at this point, Sam's body is saying big fat no, <laughs> and is uh, starts to throw up the pills because her body's obviously trying to protect itself. Uh, she sees the skeleton slash Ryan killer uh, running behind them yelling out to Kate yelling out to Dina to get away however Kate comes in from the side with an aerosol can and lighter burning him and helping Sam and Dina get away I thought that was so cool yeah mm-hmm. and like Kelly said she's preparing she had weapons so yeah that makes so much more sense <laughs> <laughs> Kate runs to hide from the killer and we see her incredibly scared panicking and I think that this is the first time that we really see Kate in that mode where she is actually like oh shit this is real this is actually happening mm-hmm. uh, the killer grabs her by her hair trying uh, trying to stab her uh but she uh, in t- like this is just so cool using a cupcake tray as a shield protects herself <laughs> resourceful grab what you need grab what's closest to you try and protect yeah. yourself <laughs> She continues to fight off the killer, screaming, because at this point, um, Dina has decided that she is going to drown Sam to make sure that she dies, because the the drugs aren't working at this point. We don't have time. No, they're running out of time. We don't have time and speed speed up what's already the drugs have started. Simon hears Kate screaming, and uh, while distracted, Ruby tries to sneak up on him. However, we see that Simon was prepared and stabs her in the throat with a knife. Josh is in the aisles of the store when he's attacked, attacked by the Camp Nightwing killer and um, he is fending uh, off the killer uh, running through the aisles from him. We see Kate stabbed in the stomach by the killer. He throws her body up onto a bread slicer that he has oh. turned on and pushes her through the slicer, killing Kate incredibly gruesomely. That. clapping for that <laughs> amazing brilliant incredibly gory kill yes. and holy moly Brutal. that's one of like my current favorite murder scenes in a horror movie because yep. that was i have i have not seen that before um and fantastic and devastating because yeah. that is followed up with <laughs> oh yeah so um uh, where am I up to? Simon is running through the store. He sees Kate's dead body on the machine and he turns to look at Josh in the aisle next to him when he is axed in the head by yeah. one of the killers, which I hated so much. To yeah. double gut punch. Yeah. I like, like, I want to say, I, I go uh, back and forth. I love all of these characters because, like I said, they're so well created but i almost feel like kate and simon are my favorite like when it came down to it i was like oh no but this is so like unapologetically fear street yeah it is so it was so it was perfect like i love it and i hate it and i'm devastated and i'm so sad but like champion it because that's what's going to happen yeah yeah it's kind of like stephen king when he kills off your characters that you love so much and you're like why do you do this to me (laughs) yeah you Why reel me that? in. I love these characters. And then you destroy. You destroy my world by killing them. Yeah. <laughs> horrible. Um, uh, where am I? Um, Josh is running for his life at this, at, the mo- at this moment, trying to get away from the killers who are now trying to get uh, Dina and Sam. 
Josh just falls to the ground, Ryan catching up with him as we see Sam start to get visions of the witch again, her eyes falling dead in the water. The killers uh, basically stop in their tracks and disappear as Sam is dead. Dina yells at Josh to get the EpiPens uh, and help her bring Sam back. She drags her out of the tent, tent pumping her body's full of, uh, of this, because it's epinephrine and adrenaline. Would have killed her. Mm-hmm. Side note. Yeah. Yep. I try not to get too nitpicky with my medicine, but she just drowned. <laughs> Give her CPR. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're, you can kill someone with that much. Yeah. Yep. So there was like 10 of them directly into her chest. Into her chest. Like, she would be still. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. She should have been in the hospital right away. She wasn't. Yeah. She's like, no. They're like, "Mm, I'm just giving my statement at the police station. I was like, why you're not in ICU right now? Why why don't you have a heart monitor on right now? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, Failing to work. No surprise. Dina Mm -hmm. gives Sam CPR. uh, Josh crying that everyone is dead. Sam coughs back to life, throwing up water and the drug cocktail. So that at least that's how that she yeah she should still be in ICU after that. (laughs) I feel like she needs her stomach pump with some charcoal after that. Yeah, yeah, well for sure. Yeah, these Fear Street kids though they're resilient. They're tough as nails. It's fine. Just walks it off. (laughs) She does literally. <laughs> walks back into the police station. Yeah. Um, reporting um what had happened and what they've gone through and that the injuries that they have are from falling on glass. They call uh the police call Kate and Simon junkies and that basically they're gonna let all the blame shift onto them and um let them, you know, get a, the bad reputation for being junkies or whatnot um unless they tell them otherwise however dina just says to them that simon has been looking after his family since he was 15 and that kate had been selling drugs to so that she wouldn't become another shady side statistic Uh it's really that scene always gets me it's really hard hitting because we don't learn that about simon until that moment he is dead and now we learn about him and it just is I guess another like triple gut punch of just how how real this place is and the re how real all of these experiences are for these for the the kids because again Fear Street's all about the kids and the teenagers right it's not Mm -hmm. about adults it's about the kids living in this environment this uh cursed environment and how it affects all of their lives yeah, and then they yeah. and it's like an example of just like they know that the police are going to print whatever story they want to cover, yeah. to to close the case to be like okay, well case closed. They were just a bunch of junkies, and that was it. And that's what Dina is saying. She's like to you guys once again, like to us, they were amazing people who did everything can. They were our friends, but you're just going to write whatever you want. So it really doesn't matter at yeah. the end of the day if I tell you the truth or not, because yeah. you're not going to do anything with that information. You're just going to keep yeah. letting things happen, keep letting the statistics keep happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam's mum arrives at the police station as they're leaving and is visibly upset. Dina says, I guess I will see you tomorrow. And Sam says, no, see you tonight. Kissing Dina in front of her mum, who is absolutely pissed off. Like, disgusted. I don't, I'd be out of there. I'd be like, sorry, mum, I know I'm 15, but I'm moving out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
before that, I just have to chime in because it's something that <laughs> Jess and I have talked about a few times. Uh, but before they, before uh, Josh and Sam, I think it's those two, leave the police station, there's the janitor that's still yeah. in holding, right? He's still in yeah, handcuffs. Yeah. He, and, and I don't know, is it just for, I? oh, it's because of he, they're claiming that he uh, vandalized an area, but he's yet still at the police station. But Josh helps him out. But what he says, and I made a note of this, he's like, Sheriff, good. Sheriff motherfucking evil. And I was like, he knows. He Again, yeah. he is a person of color. He knows evil. He knows that the white man is no up to no good. Yeah. Especially when he's like, those spray cans are not mine. And Sheriff Good's like, yeah. I know they're mine. And you're like, you, yeah. once again, that trope of just, you know, a white sheriff from a white um, upper class. Cause he's not even, he doesn't even, he's not even from Shadyside. He's from Sunnyvale. He's a sheriff yeah. from another township in Shadyside just to keep everything under wraps, under charges, stuff like that. And yeah. then, you know, so of course he's going to blame all kinds of the negative stuff on the people who are of, um, I don't want to say, well, you know, people of color and then lower characteristics of the sense of like, they're not a part of the upper class. They are, you know, mm -hmm. from dysfunctional families. Like, it's just like, you know, they're writing their own story just because of their environment. And you're like, that's not yeah. true at all. Yeah. 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 It's those systems that cause those narratives. Yes. Those mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, that night we hear the news presenter talking about the deaths that occurred uh, at the grocery store. Uh, Dean, Dina and Sam are sitting in her bed and she gives her the letter that she'd been trying to give her at the start of the movie. Only this time it says, Dear Sam, I have always loved you. Mm, but I like that so we good. still see her like scribbled out. The, yep. Like, yeah. yeah. Doesn't yeah. do a brand new one. There's <laughs> like, these are just all of my thoughts in, in like in sequence. Yeah. <laughs> emotional journey I went on for yes. us. Yes. I'm a teenager. Yeah. I'm emotional. I'm hormonal. You need to know everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they're laying in bed listening to a mixtape that Dina had made uh, when there's a doorbell. Uh, ring at the doorbell and Dina yells at Josh to answer when he doesn't respond she gets up to see Josh eating pizza asking him you ordered dinner so there's like this whole like character arc for Josh becoming independent as well which was really cool uh, the phone rings and Dina answers nothing is said for a while until she hears she's still alive did you touch the bones did you see her face it's not over it's never owner over sorry <laughs> Dina tells her that they've stopped the killers and C. Berman, who has called them, tells them that she ne she never stops, she makes the rules, and that she will do whatever it takes. We see a cave with names written on the walls. Samantha Fraser is carved out last on the wall. Dina looks up and sees Sam. Um, however, we see her, uh, what's the word, like, scan down, and we see that Sam has actually stabbed her. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What a twist. What a twist, yeah. right? Uh, Josh is in his room talking on talking on his chat room to this person that he's been talking to like over the whole film. And the person is calling Kate and Simon tweakers, to which Josh tells them Simon was funny and brave and that Kate was smart and fearless and that he misses them. Change the narrative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was so nice. I Yeah, that he was just like, I'm not taking your crap, princess, true crime lady. 
These were real people with real lives and situations that we need to understand before we make judgments about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Upstairs, Sam is attacking Dina in the kitchen, trying to kill her. She has a knife and is on top of Dina, strangling her. Uh, and then we scan back to Josh, who turns around in his chair to see Dina gasping for air and holding onto her side. She shows him Sam, who she has tied up upstairs on the kitchen floor and is rolling around trying to get free and, like, groaning. <laughs> She's possessed. She's possessed. Yeah. And also, thank God for the old phones with the really long yes. cords. <laughs> like, what a lifesaver. We hated them back then, but look at yeah, they could save your life. They could mm-hmm. they could uh restrain a possessed girl. So yeah. they do have a function. <laughs> I love corded phones. phones. Mine went, corded like, phones yeah. around my house. Yeah, <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> now we know we can tie a possessed people with them. So bring them <laughs> back. Especially since the vaccine possesses people. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, if everyone in your house is vaccinated, you might need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dina tells Josh that she is going to get Sam back. Uh, we then see Sam scream into the camera before to be continued rolls on the screen. Bum, bum, bum. And there we are. The cliffhangers in these movies, yeah. man. Yeah. You're like, I have to wait a week for the next movie? Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of loved that. That it was like, okay, well, I know I'm going to speculate what's going to happen next week. Oh, and like, yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. I love was. it. Frankly, I miss the days of slow release of TV shows. So yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I now I just I don't even really watch like television series because there's this whole concept of you have to binge them, and it's like I don't have time to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. Some people don't. The yes. stress yeah. where I have to like, watch them all because everybody else sat and binged it for a whole day, and I'm just like I can't do that. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that is uh, Fear Street 1994. It's left on a cliffhanger because it goes into Fear Street 1974? 78. 78. And then yeah. 1966. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Fear Street trilogy and specifically this one out of the three were like my top movies of last year. Yeah. I had so much fun with them. It was an experience, them being released, you know, week by week and just having just and I having these fear passes to be able to see them at early release and it was just something to look forward to it was just had great marketing it had a sense of nostalgia so it was yeah it was one one of my favorite films of last year I just had I just love it so much and I had so much fun with it and it was so incredibly well put together and I really hope that they do an actual like Netflix fear street series because there's so many books there's so much content that you could and so many stories and whatever that you could create that that would be an incredible show incredible show if you kept with you kept with those writers and those director that director and kept it going and kept that kind of same 
you know, that same kind of feeling of fleshed out characters and the stories and the gore and the scares and the humor and, oh, it would be so good. So yeah. maybe oh. that's just me really wanting a sense of nostalgia from the 90s that I had with <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm still waiting yeah. for, for something like that that I could love besides Stranger Things. Like, I would just be down for that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 100%. Like, that was, for me, that whole experience watching the series. And I've seen the movies again and again and again because I grew up on Fear Street. I was a young adult who read every single Fear Street book I could get my hands on. And I regret yep. that I gave them all away when I was in my mm-hmm. 20s because I thought I was too cool for them. And now I'm regretting <laughs> it. And I'm slowly yep. recollecting them again, yeah, like getting to wherever I go. I try and find <laughs> copies of Fear Street. Um, because yep. like Kelly said, there is so rich and they're they're nostalgic but like you were saying earlier cat like there's these ideas of classism that comes up there's this idea of you know dysfunctional families teenagers trying to find their identities as they're growing up and they're you know and they're often having to fight against these supernatural forces that are representative of some sort of structure that we fight against as teenagers in a system then yeah. but i would like to see a more updated version like kelly yeah. was saying you know yeah. of more individual and diverse characters because you know, the Fear Street series is very heteronormative, the entirety mm-hmm. of, this, of the early Very white, series. very yeah. heteronormative. Exactly. Yeah. Very yeah. 90s, right? So it's yeah. written by, though I love him, R.L. Stein, older white man. Um, but again, doing what we're doing now, which is throwing in more like 2022 um, like ideas and identities and people, it would just richen what's richen. That's not even a word. I'm sorry. <laughs> It would enrich the already diverse um, amount of stories and and situations that these teenagers come up with. And they would just like, it would add so many more layers, making it even better and that much more powerful. Like those are, the Fear Street novels are quick, easy reads, easy digestible reads of little bits of horror, young adult horror. And it's, it's, it's pretty, it can be pretty shocking reading it now being like, wow, I actually read these (laughs) as a a young person. Like they can be pretty brutal, right? So adding in these more progressive ideals, like it just would be so, so, so good. And playing more with that, with all of those, um, like you said, Jess, the, 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 the class structures and all those different ideas that maybe toyed with or very, very hinted at the it was subtext, make it text, which yeah. we saw more in these movies. And it would be so fantastic. And I really hope that they do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And because I grew up, absolutely adoring goosebumps um mm-hmm. last year for christmas i told my grandma that she should buy this like goosebumps collection for my niece and yeah. so she now has 30 goosebumps books i must have had like at least 50 books while i was when i was a kid of like goosebumps yeah just love them I got one every fortnight when I went to visit my dad like I had a dysfunctional family it was nice to see other kids in the same position as what I was and yeah that they were still brave and strong and things could be handled in different ways and I don't know it was just a really cool learning experience reading all those books as a kid and watching the tv show but yeah yeah definitely watch that and they were like this is boring and I was like (laughs) yeah 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 you know, and R.L. Stein actually came out relatively recently with more Fear Street novels, which I mm-hmm. bought a bunch of yeah. and sadly have not sat down with, which maybe this will inspire me. And now we also have finished reading Evolution for our next episode of the podcast that sit down and read the the newer Fear Street novels and kind of see where he's at with, with that yeah. series. Yeah. It's changed at all from what I remember. But I was the same as Jess, like... 
grew up and had like 20, 25 of them, you know, going to your 20s, you're too mature for this and you're going to get rid of it. And then in your 30s, all you want is what you had as a teenager and everything that was comforting and nostalgic and familiar because you become into your 30s. And though that's kind of great in a lot of ways, it's hard. Being an adult is hard. You want things that are easy. And guess what's easy? Stuff from our childhood, the music, the movies, the books and everything that we loved then. The aesthetic, like it just is something that, you know. So again, these movies were a breath of fresh air during a time that I know I was doing a lot of comfort watching. I know Jess was doing also a lot of comfort watching. So these were like literally perfect timing. I almost feel like they might not have hit as hard if they came out not during a pandemic. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm like, yep, I'm super pumped for this. This is great. But because we really needed something to look forward to, and those were supposed to come out in theaters, did not. Yeah, um, that would have been really fun and exciting to do that. But it just it just hit at the right time, <sighs> during the right time, you know. Especially yeah. for me, anyways, it just was it was really perfect. And this 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 series and this movie in particular are definitely going to be forever comfort watches. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I adored it uh, because yeah. I finally saw some like positive female friendships for once yeah i know it's so hard you yeah yep you'd think it'd be easy but it's not it's still hard to find i know i know you just write us like as if we were boys yeah we don't have to fight over a boy we don't need to fight over other people's relationships we don't have to fight over friendships and so it was just really nice to see like that be put aside and there was no animosity towards fe- like between female characters and yeah it just didn't it didn't leave like that bitter taste that some teen movies do where there's this like competitiveness between girls and it's always a boy's fault and they're fighting over a boy and yeah. it's just so dumb yeah. and it's like so right. tired yeah. yeah and you could have like girls and boys being friends whoa what a concept yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like yeah. Yeah, it felt a lot more grounded, more down to earth. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the last question I always ask my guests is, what is the last horror movie that you watched? Uh, the last <laughs> horror movie I watched was One Cut of the Dead last night. It oh. was the Japanese horror comedy that is absolutely hilarious and adorable, and I recommend people go watch that. It's on Shudder if you, yeah, it's if on you my, have it available. but. Definitely give it a watch because it is really super sweet and an adorable yeah. horror comedy. Nice. <laughs> I will second that. I, I have seen that. It's like a horror fans film. It's a movie makers film. It's just yeah, yeah. so wonderfully fantastic. Um, I watch a lot of movies. I couldn't remember <laughs> the last one, but I'm going to state this movie with an intention to promote something we've done recently. So... <laughs> Um, recently, Jess and I were on uh, Black Fawn Distribution. They're a Canadian uh, film distribution company, and they started doing this like podcast series. They also record the video called Hot Stove from Hell. And so Jess and I were on their episode on the Scream series. So Scream, the new Scream, Scream 2022, Scream 5, whichever. Um, watched recently to be a part of Hot Stove from Hell, and I'd recommend folks... Checking out the hot stove from hell. Would I recommend watching Scream 2022? Not really. But uh, that's a, dis- a you know discussion if you're interested to watch that that whole thing. Because it's a really fun, 
this like rousing discussion on a franchise that's very near and dear to my horror loving heart because I grew up with Scream. So nice. I'll say, and also I'll very, state that. Also very reminiscent to the movie that we just discussed yep. with like the skull yep. face pillar and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. Oh, a lot of like an homage, a couple of homages yep. to Scream teen horror very 90s vibe exactly yes yeah. some of my favorite things yeah i watched uh i watched studio 666 <laughs> oh yeah okay the, uh, how was that Day bro- it was pretty funny um, okay yeah i'm, I'm horror comedy is probably my favorite like subgenre mm. next to okay, like yeah. folk horror but uh yeah. yeah it was just really goofy yeah and that's great very sad yeah. as well because obviously their drummer recently passed away. Oh, and yes. so I was yes. like, oh, yeah. I forgot about that <laughs> until I watched yeah. the movie. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Horror comedy is great. I love yes. mixing horror with comedy. It's a yeah. fantastic combination. Yeah. The best. I agree with I that. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where can listeners find you and your work? Tell them, Jess, where can they find us? <laughs> Uh, they can find us on social media all over the place. So uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Spinsters of Horror. We have a website, Spinsters of Horror. We're also on Clubhouse. We also have a Facebook group, The Coven. Do I miss anything, Kelly? YouTube channel where we do yes. some, some of our special presentations are up there, like live recorded live presentations. Um, our mini-sodes we record as well. Um Letterboxd, we're on there. So if you want to see the movies that we've covered, it has the links to the episodes that they're discussed in. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere, really, that you would need to be right now. Clubhouse is new because that seems to be hip. So we're trying that. <laughs> yes. And our podcast, I Spin In Your Podcast, is out. It's on every podcasting app you can listen to podcasts on. So if you like what you hear here, please check out our show. Um, our next episode will be, well, our episodes are released at the last day of every month. And if you'd like us, please like, share, and subscribe because, you know, uh, the power of, what word am I looking for? Sorry, totally can edit this out. Sharing is scaring. Sharing. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Where you, sh- you share things together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I can't remember what it's called. It's 10 o'clock at night. We're tired. Uh, community coming together. No. No, sharing not referrals. Oh. Oh my God. Okay, folks, you know, like you're sharing it like by talking. Word of mouth. Well, word of mouth. Oh my God. Okay, yes. Thank you. Okay. So edit all that out and say, okay. So yes, so follow our show, I Spin Your Podcast on all podcasting apps, like, share, and subscribe. The power of word of mouth is is large, so please share our work if you like it. Absolutely, and thank you so much for joining me for this. Uh, thank you for having us. Thank you so much for having us. It was so much yeah, fun yeah. having this, like, yep. talk about this great film. Fantastic yes, yes. Film. And thank you, listeners. If you enjoy the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review where you listen to your podcast. To catch all the latest from me, you can find me on Twitter at Catstead underscore or on Instagram at HearUsGreatCat. To see all the latest from the podcast, you can follow it on Twitter at TGIFpod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday. Ooh.